Today is the third Sunday of the Coptic month of Misra. And as we know, Misra is the last Coptic month of the year. We have another small month, we call them Shahr Nisi because we forget about it. But this is the last month of the year. So during this month, the church wants to remind us of the end of our lives, wants to remind us about the second coming and the judgment day. I'm going to review with you the, the Sundays, the last two Sundays, so we know where we, where we are today. So in the first Sunday, we heard about the parable of the wicked vine dressers and the vineyard. And, and it was the gospel was from St. Luke, chapter 20. We hear, then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. The certain man symbolizes God. And we are the vineyard. We, the people, we are the vineyard. The church is a vineyard. And when it says he went into a far country for a long time, this symbolizes our life here on earth. We're here for a limited amount of time. In the next verse, in Luke chapter 20, in verse 10, the parable continues and says, Now at vintage time he sent a servant to the vine dressers, that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. Meaning that we're here on earth to produce fruit. We're here on earth to produce fruit, to produce good works. God gave us all many talents, many gifts that we should use. But we don't actually own any of these gifts. We are stewards. Meaning I don't own anything, but God put me in charge of what he gave me. As we end this Coptic year, the church wants to tell each one of us to examine ourselves. To see if we're producing fruit or not. To ask ourselves this question. Am I producing fruit in my life? Am I using the talents that God gave me to glorify his name and to serve him? Or do I run away from service? Do I come up with many excuses not to serve, not to use the talents that God gave me? The last Sunday, the second Sunday of Misra, the church gave us the calling of Levi. Levi is Matthew, the, the tax collector. He was one of the 12 disciples and he also became an evangelist, one of the four evangelists. Why did the church give us this reading in the second uh, Sunday of Misra? To tell us that God accepts anyone. God will accept anyone, even a tax collector like Matthew. And God came specially for the sinners. And we read this in Luke chapter 5 and verse 32. It says, our Lord Jesus Christ says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So even if you're Levi the tax collector, who is greedy, who loves money, God can convert you to become Matthew, the disciple, the evangelist who followed Christ. And if you looked at last week's gospel, we'll see that St. Matthew took three steps in his conversion or in his calling. He left all, he rose up, and he followed our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have that desire in your heart to change, follow what St. Matthew did. Leave all the things that hold you back. Rise up out of your laziness and come and follow Christ. Last week also our Lord Jesus Christ ended the gospel with two short parables. The parable of the old and new garment and the parable of the old and new wine. And both these parables have the same meaning. That once we commit, once we decide that we're going to follow God, we can't go back to our old lifestyle. We can't go back and live the same way we lived again. And again, last week, our, our Lord Jesus Christ gives us a warning, a final warning in the last verse of the gospel. 
And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Sometimes after we taste of the sweetness of our Lord Jesus Christ, the sweetness of God, some of us still like that bitterness taste of sin. Some people will still say the old is better. The old way, the way I used to live is better and they return back. So Christ gives us this warning not to go back. So today, why did the church pick today's gospel for the third Sunday of Misra? There are actually two reasons. It's amazing when you research the reason. We all know that tomorrow is the Feast of St. Mary, and usually the third uh, Sunday of Misra is around the Feast of St. Mary. So the first reason is about St. Mary, and the second reason actually continues in the same theme of the month. So in, Mark, in, in today's uh, Gospel from Mark chapter 3, it says, A multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother, your brothers are outside seeking you. St. Jerome, in his book, The Perpetual Virginity of, of the Blessed Mary, he explains the term brothers referred to his cousins, the children of St. Mary's sister. Um, meaning like St. Mary, the mother of God, after her parents gave her to the altar, to the temple, they had another child. They also named her Mary. And that Mary had children, and those were the term brothers. And some people think that when our Lord Jesus Christ says, who is my mother or who is my brother, he was belittling St. Mary, like, mean, who, who's my father, who's my mother, who's my children? But he's not actually belittling her, he was actually glorifying her and praising her. How? In the last verse of the Gospel, he says, For whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. What does this mean? What was the reason that God chose St. Mary? Because there was nobody else on earth that followed the will of God like St. Mary. We say in the Wednesday Theotokeia, The Father looked from heaven, found no one like you. He sent his only begotten who came and took flesh from you. Meaning that there was nobody on earth that followed the will of our Lord Jesus Christ or the will of God like St. Mary. So this was our Lord Jesus Christ's way of praising St. Mary and telling us to follow her way. If you want to follow the will of God, follow what St. Mary did. Submit to the will of God. So that was the, the part or the reason why we read this gospel to kind of praise St. Mary, knowing that in a few days we're going to celebrate the Feast of St. Mary. The second reason follows the theme that I said, which is about the end of the world. Prepare us for the end of the world. We, so we said in the first Sunday, we have to examine ourselves to see if we're bearing fruits. In the second Sunday, we have to try to follow what St. Matthew did by leaving everything behind, rise up, and follow God. Then this week, the church is telling you that you can't do any of that unless you let the Holy Spirit work in you and not resist the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 28 and 29 of the Gospel today, our Lord Jesus Christ says, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? We hear this word a lot, but some of us don't really understand it. In Matthew 12 and 32, our Lord Jesus Christ gives a very, very similar verse, but it's even more, like, maybe extreme. He says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. 
But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. What does this mean? Isn't the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit one? How can I say a word against the Son of Man, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, and it will be forgiven me? But if I speak against the Holy Spirit, it won't be forgiven me. In order to understand what this means, we have to understand what is the role or what is the work of the Holy Spirit. Even though the Trinity is one, each person of the Trinity has a different role or a different function or a different work. They work in us differently. For example, whose role is it to know the end of, of times, the end of the world? It's the Father. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, when they had come together, the apostles, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. This is why when our Lord Jesus Christ was talking about the end of times in the Gospel of St. Mark, he says, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Nor the Son. Meaning what? It's not that he doesn't know, but it's not his role or function to reveal it to us, to tell us that's not his role. What is the role of the Son, then? One of them is judgment. In John chapter 5 and verse 22, our Lord says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. So who's coming to judge the world? Who's going to judge the world? Our Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming. So then what's the work, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? Again, there is more than one. I'm going to focus on two. The first work of the Holy Spirit is he leads us to believe in Christ. He leads us to believe in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 3, St. Paul says, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This is how the Holy Spirit works with the non-believers. He works with them until they believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first is he leads us to believe in the Holy Spirit. And so he leads us to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. The second work is with us believers. So first, he works with non-believers to make them believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. How about with us, the believer? We already believe our Lord Jesus Christ. How does the Holy Spirit work in us? Convicts us of sin, makes us guilty, makes us think about the sins that we did and leads us to repentance. Meaning that when I commit a sin, the Holy Spirit is what pushes me to come to Abuna and repent and confess. And what does it mean when it says whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit? Does that mean if I just speak a word against the Holy Spirit, I'm condemned? No, it means to resist the work of the Holy Spirit. To resist the work of the Holy Spirit. And what is the work of the Holy Spirit? We just said, with the non-believers, He leads them to believe in Christ. With the believers, He leads us to repentance. To live a life of repentance. So if I resist the work of the Holy Spirit, how will I ever believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? How will I ever come back to repentance if I'm living a life of sin? So what does it mean when our Lord said, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him? How can I speak against Christ and still be forgiven? Because even if I deny Christ, the Holy Spirit will still work in me and lead me to repentance and lead me to have faith and I'll be forgiven. Who denied Christ but repented and was accepted by our Lord Jesus Christ? Peter. And how is it possible? Because the Holy Spirit led him to repentance. We read in the Gospel that Peter wept bitterly. 
And then once he looked at our Lord Jesus Christ, just that look, our Lord Jesus Christ was looking at him, that look led him to repentance. The opposite happened with who? Judas. He betrayed Christ. And we always say there is no big difference between betrayal and denial. The difference was in the action afterwards. What was, it, what was different between Peter and Judas? Instead of repenting and asking for forgiveness, Judas does what? He goes and hung himself. Which means he denied the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, no, I can't. There is no hope for me. So we can say that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is resisting the work of the Holy Spirit till your last breath. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is resisting the work of the Holy Spirit till your last breath. Which means refusing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and also refusing to repent until the day you die. In Acts 7 and, and verse 51, St. Stephen gives a sermon right before he was stoned to death. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. So we said that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. But this is not instant. It's a gradual process. It doesn't happen right away. As I'll explain to you, it's a three-step process. In Ephesians 4 and verse 30, St. Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the first step in resisting the Holy Spirit is called grieving the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you something and you ignore it. I'll compare it to a child and his parents, his, his mom and dad. All of us as parents, we tell our kids to do good works. To don't do this, don't do that, don't smoke, don't drink, do all, don't do sin, but we also encourage them to do bad to do good things, encourage them not to do the bad things. And we also tell them to focus on your future. Study for your exams so that way you can have a future. What happens if that child ignores his parents' advice? He resists the word that he hears. The parents are going to be sad. They become sad. Our, our child is not listening to us. This is the meaning of grieving the Holy Spirit. So if I continue to live in sin and drift away from God and from church and stop doing any righteous work, completely ignore the work of the Holy Spirit in me, then I will grieve the Holy Spirit. This is the first step in resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. Second step, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19, St. Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. So the second is quenching the Holy Spirit. If we go back to the example of the father and mother and their child, what happens if that child continues to ignore his mom and dad. Doesn't listen to them, doesn't respect them, doesn't do anything that they say. What will happen? Hopefully not, but sometimes the parents at one point are going to give up. They're going to stop giving this child advice. He's not listening to us. They're going to stop talking to him. They're going to leave him to do what he wants to do. This is the meaning of quenching the Holy Spirit. It's like turning off the lights in a room and deciding to walk in the dark. The electricity is there. The Holy Spirit is there, but He stops working in us. It doesn't depart from the person. So the Holy Spirit doesn't depart from us, but it stops guiding Him or convicting Him to do the right thing. This is when the Holy Spirit stops talking to me, or it's actually talking to me, but I don't even listen. This is what St. Stephen meant by you stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears. 
What does this mean, uncircumcised and hard ears? Meaning there's something covering my ears, something blocking the word of God from entering my heart. What is that something? Sin. So either the Holy Spirit stops guiding me or talking to me, or I stop listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I've become deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The third and final step is actually the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is what? Grieving and quenching all the days of your life. Grieving and quenching all the days of your life. This is someone who continues to live in sin, live an ungodly life, and ignores the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God in him, and decides to never come back. Again, when? Until he dies. So it's quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit all the days of your life. But if he decides to come back, she decides to come back, the church is always open to accept. That is what the definition of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit so today, the church wants to warn us about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we end this Coptic year and we start a new one, the church wants all of us to examine ourselves, to see if we're bearing fruits, if we're drifting away from God. The church wants us to follow the, the, the steps of St. Matthew, to leave all, rise up, and follow him. And finally, the only way we're going to do all these things is to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. If we continue to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, and maybe we've become deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the church is telling you, stop quenching the Holy Spirit. Open your heart to the voice of God. May God give us the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, like he did to the apostles, that we may always live a life of repentance. And glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Muchísimo,